Welcome, King of Kings. Are you happy to be in Jerusalem tonight? Very good. Grab your Bibles. We're happy you're here also. John chapter 8 will be our anchor text tonight. And let me just greet everybody. You look wonderful. Um, great to have you in the house tonight. We want to also say a special welcome to our friends from London today who are joining us from the Good Shepherd. Thank you, guys. Blessings to you. Uh, great to have you in the house tonight. Hopefully, all of the kids got situated. They got to the classes that they needed to get to, and the babies are uh, well cared for. Everybody's ready to go tonight. Welcome, everybody watching online as well, King's Community Live and Facebook Live, YouTube, as well as other platforms. Welcome here to King of King's Community in Jerusalem. It's already a great night. It's going to continue to be a great night as we study the Word of God together. I do want to say a special thank you to our men's ministry who led worship tonight. I don't know if anybody noticed that. Yeah, the men did pretty good. They did a great job. And they really challenged us on a couple of songs. You know, oh, Yeshua, oh, Yeshua. That second oh, whoo. Depending on what octave you sing in, you got to be ready for that one. And it was a challenge that the men's ministry chose that one. Only Ray could pull that off. Praise the Lord. No, that was not our men's ministry worship team. That was our worship team. And uh, we have several variations of it as we like to let lots of people serve. But tonight, it just happened to be that lots of the ladies weren't available tonight. It's funny, if you go back in the archives, you'll actually see the opposite sometimes. You'll see where it was ladies' night up here. And they're like, where are the men? We don't mind. We just bless everybody, try to be involved. That's all right. Nikki and, and, and Dr. Catherine, they, they anchored us down for the ladies tonight. Good job, ladies. Good job participating in that. Hey, listen, we've got some important things coming up. You know about Wednesday night. We're kicking off fall semester of discipleship. Come and join us, 6 p.m. in the Celebration Center. And then the very next night, just want to underscore it, this is a citywide prayer gathering. This is congregations from all over Jerusalem. We just have the blessing of being the host that night. Uh, we're going to do it in the Celebration Center, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. We're going to pray for Israel. We're going to pray for the elections. We're going to pray for security. We're going to pray for salvation. Lots of things are going to be happening that night. I think it's a timely thing as well in a prophetic sense because we have some, some unusual intersections right now around the world. We know Israel, we have our elections on November the 1st. Raise your hand if you're going to pray for us. Good. You passed that test. Good job. But also, you know, you've got the UK. You guys from the UK. What's going on? Y'all can't keep a prime minister. It's like you're following after us. We can't keep one either. Nobody wants to lead this thing. You know, then, then we got the U.S. is going back into their midterm elections, November the 8th. You've got other countries headed into elections. You've got the Russian-Ukrainian thing still going on and getting worse. And, and then uh, I don't even know if you saw some of the, the things that went on in China yesterday where they were having their Communist Party celebration and, and the current uh, uh, leader has the former leader who's sitting right next to him. He has him expelled from the meeting. So many crazy things going on. And this was the word that came from the prophetic team this week. I just want to share it with you before we jump into the word. It was a sense of the need for unity amongst the body. And the way it looked, it looked like this. It was a soccer, football, 
sorry, depending on where you're from. A football slash soccer stadium full of 100,000 people. And on the playing field were a friendly game. Some fun was happening, high fives, laughter. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the game, the field itself, the migrash, the field began to spin. But the players on the field didn't didn't see that it was spinning because they were on the field spinning with it, so they didn't realize it. But everybody in the crowd could see it changing. And they were yelling, be careful, be careful, it's changing. And what happened was as the field would turn and someone would kick a ball toward the goal, it would now miss the goal because after they kicked it, the goal would be turning and they would miss it. They got frustrated, and in their frustration of things not working the way it used to work, the friendliness on the field became very competitive and nasty. You see where this is going, right? And from that vantage point, it was important that new players could come in so that they could share with what they saw from the outside. And what they were seeing was a sense of unity, a call for unity, and I don't think it's, it's a coincidence that we had already had in the works the plan for this night of prayer with all of these different congregations, some King of Kings related, many not King, King of Kings related. Unity among the body. We wanna be a catalyst for unity. It's part of our mission statement. And so the prophetic team just wanted to share that with you today so that you could pray into that with us. What are the steps? How do you do it? We all agree with it in theory, of course. But the question was, and when I posed back to the team was, is the Lord showing us how to do that? Not just to agree with it, right? And as you're gonna learn tonight, that belief without action is not actually belief, right? I told you a little bit about where we're going. Tonight, praise the Lord. Listen, you've joined us in a series that we call The Source. Over the last few weeks, here's a quick recap that you can catch on the archives. God is the source of all good things, James 1. Yeshua is the source of light and life, Genesis 1. Yeshua is the source of eternal salvation, Hebrews 5. The source of hope, Romans 15, the source of peace, Isaiah 9, and the source of restoration, Revelation 21. So as you are in the text of John chapter 8, let me set the stage for you. Let me give you the background of of what you're going to see. Yeshua is after the feast of Sukkot, so this is perfect, right? Timing is good for us. That was last week. We finished Sukkot. So we are finding ourselves in the pattern of the scriptures. After the feast of Sukkot, Yeshua is teaching in the temple. And a woman caught in adultery was brought before him. Now, of course, this, as you know, this really wasn't that fair. Not all of the pieces of the puzzle were there. They were trying to trap Yeshua with all these strange questions. Yeshua steps in with the woman. He defends her, physically defends her. Doesn't defend what she did, but defends her physically. Stands in front of her as the great intercessor. If you ever wanted to see a real picture of intercession... This is a great story for that because Yeshua stepped in front of her to block her from all of the would-be stone throwers. Then he he reaches down, he starts to write in the sand. One day we're all gonna ask Yeshua, hey man, 
What were you doing? What are you writing there? It's going to be something amazing, something profound. And I always think Yeshua has a sense of humor because he invented joy. He invented humor. He's the source of humor. That's not tonight's message, but that's a good message. Wouldn't it be funny if he, if he reached down and he just wrote something like, they're going to ask me what I wrote. <laughs> that would be funny. And in that moment, Yeshua helps her, but he calls her to live a life of no more sin. Then Yeshua claims to be the light of the world. And we, we read that in our earlier sermons. And it says at that point that many believed in him. And we're going to pick it up now in John 8, 31. Many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Yeshua said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Yeshua replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Please notice who he's speaking to. He's speaking to Jewish believers at that moment. Many had believed in him, and he turned to the Jews who had believed in him, and he said, I want to set you free from sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, and the slaves are not sons of the house. Yeshua is trying to take us from a place of slavery into a place of sonship. Romans chapter 8 gives us a picture of this, verse 14. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba and Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. This is how Yeshua sees us. He sees us as sons and as daughters, as part of the family. We're his children. We are heirs, and we are co-heirs with the Messiah. But slaves don't get that distinction. They don't get to do that. Slaves don't get an inheritance. So he's trying to take us out of that role of slavery and into the role of sons and daughters and children and heirs and co-heirs so that we can receive that inheritance. And he does it through adopting us into sonship. The Jewish people were the first sons adopted. We Gentile believers are now also adopted into God's family. That's what the Bible tells us. Galatians chapter 4 fills out the picture a little bit more. It says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Let me give you our key phrase tonight. What gets us from slavery to heirs in the kingdom is understanding the truth and responding to it. 
If you want to get from that place that Yeshua was trying to get you from called slavery to sin, and you want to get to the place he wants you to be in, which is sons and daughters and heirs of his kingdom, if you want to get from there to there, you do that by receiving the truth and responding to it. Receive the truth that God is the creator of all things. Receive that truth. And now you're on your way to being sons and daughters of that king. Receive the truth that we ourselves couldn't save ourselves because we ourselves were the sinners. Receive that truth and respond to it by saying to God, God, I now receive the truth. I can't do it. I'm going to need you to do it. And then receive the truth that Yeshua says, I looked out and I couldn't find anyone, so I did it myself. I paid the price for you. It's paid. You're redeemed. You're sanctified. You're, you're saved. Receive that truth now and respond to it by yielding your life back to me. You see, it's not enough to hear the truth. It's not even enough to agree with it. We have to receive the truth and respond to it. Truth has to lead us to an action. We cannot say we believe in something if it doesn't lead to an action that is in accordance with that belief. The other day, we had the pleasure of hosting here at King of Kings um, a group called Men in Ministry. And we do this a couple of times a year, and it's, it's for the men all over Jerusalem and beyond. And if they're in any kind of ministry, they don't have to be pastors. They can be really related to any type of ministry from professors uh, to, to authors and teachers, elders, business owners, whatever, the men in ministry come together. And at that time, I was sharing a few of these thoughts, and I, and I said to them, listen, you have to understand that in Greek way of thinking is that if you think it, then you believe it. But that is not Hebraic thinking. Hebraic thinking is if you believe it, you do it. You don't think it. It's not good enough to think it. Everything in your being has to follow suit with that said belief. And so it is with the truth. It's not enough to just hear it. It's not even enough to mentally agree with the truth. Your body and spirit and soul has to follow that. Then you really believe something. What gets us from slavery to heirs in the kingdom is understanding the truth and responding to it. Now, Giving this promise of sonship to the believers immediately leaves out everyone else in the crowd who did not believe. Listen, you gotta, you gotta really paint the picture of what you're seeing in the scriptures. Don't, don't just read it so fast and you can't really glean everything from it. Go slow. I love to go slow in the scriptures. I read things several times. I'll stop on a sentence. I'll stop on a word and I'll just wait. And when I stopped on this one, you got to understand that as Yeshua is at the temple, so it's thousands of people, and he's preaching on the light of the world, and he's just saved this lady, and they got to see what intercession looks like. And it's moving some people to what? It's moving them to action. And it says that many believed in him, and he turns to them, and he says, if I set you free, then you're free to the believers. That left out a whole bunch of people, Right? So now he's isolated them a little bit more. But then he turns to the unbelievers and he addresses them this way. Continue in the main text. John chapter 8, 37. Remember who he's talking to now. He says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. 
I'm telling you that what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. Well, if you're Abraham's children, Yeshua said, then you, would you do what Abraham did? As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. So first of all, Yeshua is giving a public statement here that he is the son of God. So if you've ever heard somebody say, well, Yeshua never said he was the son of God. Yes, he did. He did it multiple times. This is one of them. He said, I am from the father. I'm only telling you what I saw in his presence. He's claiming to be God at this moment, right? He's saying, I'm sharing with you from my father and you are doing in your heart of evil, something from your father. Wait a second, Abraham's our father. No, you're not acting like Abraham. And Yeshua did a funny thing. He would not let them claim Abraham as their father. Isn't that interesting? Now, if they're Jewish, of course, they're in the seed of Abraham and his lineage physically. Of course, they're Jewish. But that's not what he's referring to. What he's referring to is Abraham's righteousness. Remember? Abraham was a man of faith, and it was his faith for which he was credited as, as righteous. And they're not acting righteous. They're trying to kill Yeshua, an innocent man. And he says, no, no, you're not acting like your father. You can't claim that. You can't claim him as your father by faith. Physically, yes, but not in faith. He's not your father. Abraham would never condone what you're trying to do. Abraham was a man of faith, and Abraham, when he heard the truth, he responded to it, but you are hearing me speak the truth, and you're not responding to it. So therefore, you're not children of Abraham in terms of faith, because Abraham was moved to action. Yeshua wants to go a little bit further in this conversation in public he's having with them. John 8, 41. Let's continue. Speaking to the crowd, he says, you are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Okay, so he wouldn't let him claim Abraham, so now they jump over and they're like, we're gonna claim God. God is our father. Yeshua said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own, but God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Oh, he's getting in a heap of trouble now. First, he's claiming to be God and the son of God. He claims to have come from heaven in the presence of God. Second, they claim to be children of Abraham and he says, nope, I'm not gonna let you claim that. You're not children of Abraham in righteousness and in faith. Then they switch. No, we're children of God. He says, nope, I'm not gonna let you claim that either. You're not children of God. And now he's really got the crowd riled up. 
Remember, he's already said to the believers, you guys are in my family. You're good. I've set you free. And now he's talking to the other ones. Got them all riled up. Not children of Abraham, not children of, of God. Yeshua will not allow them to make this claim because of their actions. And then he hits them with the spear. Do you want to know who your father is? Isn't that probably a question they were asking? Well, man, he's not going to let us claim anybody as our father. Who do we get to claim? Can we claim David? Nope, not going to let you claim David. What about Moses? Nope, you don't get Moses either. Well, who do we get? The devil. What? Did you not see how long my peyote were? Did you not see how big my tefillin is? How long my seat seats were? What do you mean I'm a child of the devil? And Yeshua says, well, I come to do the will of my father and you're doing the will of yours. The fruit of my life reflects my father and the fruit of your life reflects your father because you will know a tree by his fruit. You can claim whatever you want, but until you embrace truth and action follows that truth, then you don't believe it. You see, the Pharisees were guilty here. The religious leaders and the Jewish people in the crowd, they were guilty of pretending to believe in something, but they didn't really believe in it because their actions didn't follow it. If God is truly their father and Abraham's the father of faith and Moses is the father of the law, then they would have kept the law not only in the letter, but in the heart. And this is what they were missing. They were not moved to action in the ways that Yeshua was pointing out. Yeshua becomes very clear about his purpose in this conversation. And at the same time, he's exposing the work of Satan, the enemy. Yeshua puts these two purposes head to head against one another in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says of Satan, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. You see how he did that? He put them opposite from one another. This is what Satan wants, kill, steal, and destroy. Here's what I want to give life in its fullness, in abundance. One of, one of these Fathers is taking your life, and one of these fathers is giving you life. He's speaking the truth. And now Satan is exposed, not only to be a liar, but ironically, Satan is exposed to be the father of lies. Yeshua has now become the source of truth. Satan is exposed to become the source of lies. You see what happened there. You see what he did in that conversation? He was trying to tell them, I'm the light of the world. I'm the source of all light. I'm the source of hope. I'm the source of eternal salvation. I'm the source of all redemption and forgiveness. I'm the source of truth. He is the source of lies. And you're following him. Satan uses these lies to do what? To steal our destiny, to kill our purpose, and to destroy our future. That's what he wants. He wants to put us in bondage to sin so that we will act and we will believe in these lies. But what puts us in a place of sonship 
And freedom and inheritance is believing and acting on the truth that Yeshua teaches. Now, Satan is not, while at some times he's, he's very cunning and he's trying to be creative, he doesn't have a big playbook. I've taught our leaders and our disciples many times that Satan actually only has one weapon. And if you can get this tonight, friends, this is gonna give you such a boost of supernatural power in your prayer life. If you can understand, Satan has one weapon. So don't be afraid of him. One, the only weapon he has is to lie. It's the only weapon he's ever had. Go back to the garden for a second in your mind. Adam and Eve are there. They're living with, uh, with God in the garden. Everything's paradise. Everything's perfect. Satan comes to them, and he can't get them to do anything until he lies to them. It's the lie. The source of the lie, the father of lies, has been his tactic from the beginning. And even in the text we read, I found it interesting as I was meditating on it that Yeshua opens a little window. It's a window maybe you've never heard before. Maybe you've never studied it before. But look back at John 8, 44. I'm gonna highlight it for you because Yeshua gave us an incredible open window from something that happened in the beginning. He says of Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning. Oh, you're like, wait, I heard about the lies and I heard about the pride and I heard about the rebellion. I never knew that, you, that Satan was a murderer. Did you ever see that before? Yeah, we knew he lied. We knew he tricked. We knew he deceived. We knew he schemed. We knew he led the angelic rebellion that have now become the demonic forces. We knew all of those things. But now the window is open. He's being exposed that he's been a murderer from the beginning. That he invented lies as his native tongue. And it's not just that Satan has lied to everyone else. You know Satan lied to himself. He lied to himself because he thought he could be equal with God. He lied to the angels and led them astray from their created destiny. He lied to Adam and Eve, tried to strip them of their created destiny. And now he lies to every one of us every day, all day long. And this tactic sometimes is straight out, right in your face lying. And sometimes it's a little bit more subtle, but, it, but it's still lying. A half-truth, a twisted truth, something out of context, right? Suppression of the truth. Don't let, don't let the real facts come out. You know all of these tactics. What does it say in Romans 1, 18? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without an excuse. When somebody suppresses the truth, you have to understand, they are acting like Satan. You say, why are you emphasizing that, Pastor? Why did you talk so slow right there? Because you talk so darn fast the rest of the time. I always have to apologize to the online audience. 
might be viewing in another country. Maybe English is not their first language. My apologies. When somebody seeks to suppress the truth, they are acting under the influence of Satan. Because the truth does what? Sets you free. Suppressing the truth does what? It keeps you in bondage. This is a very timely message for today when you see people all around us, individuals, groups, media, governments, trying to suppress the truth. They want to cancel you and cancel the truth. They want to slant it, cover it up, block it. They want to censor it. They don't want you to have an opinion. They don't want you to think for yourself. They don't want you to put all the facts on the table because they want to suppress the truth because they are working under the demonic influence of their father. The father of lies who suppresses the truth to keep people in bondage. It comes from Satan himself. Now you might say, Pastor, we're with you now. We, we get that Yeshua is the source of truth. Satan is the source of lies. We get the, the dichotomy of the two. We see what Yeshua is doing in John chapter 8. But you keep talking about the lie. What is the big lie? Like, what is the lie that he keeps trying to tell? Well, it's the same lie over and over. It just, it's got a different top dressing on it every time. But it's it, underlying, it's really the same lie every time. And here it is. Are you ready? Here it is. I'm about to tell you. Get ready. Write it down. Get your tablet out and your phone. Here's the big lie. You cannot trust God. That's it. In everything he does, everything he says, everything he builds, everything he schemes, the underlying message is you cannot trust God. He's not the source of truth. He wants you to think that he, Satan, is the source of truth. So he undercuts. You'll, you can't trust God. You can't trust God's word. God's going to fail you. He will never keep his promises to you. You can't trust him. You can't trust these scriptures. Come on, how can you trust these scriptures? They're so old. They're antiquated. They're out of date. They're not keeping up with the progressive times. And the liberalism, come on, they need to be rewritten. We need a newer new covenant. I've heard that one many times. You can't trust the people of God. You can't trust that the world will happen the way God said it would happen. You can't trust that God actually loves you and is looking out for your best interest. You can't trust him. And it's the same lie all day, every day. It just comes in a different angle. You can't trust God with your job. You can't trust God to take a Sabbath day off. You can't trust God to tithe and actually be able to pay your bills and, and move forward in life. You can't trust him with your children. It's all the same lie because it's the only one he's got. It's the only weapon he's ever used because it's the only weapon he's ever had. And it comes right out of the, the heart of Satan himself, out of Lucifer, the father of lies. And on one hand, Satan is spending all of his resources trying to get you to not trust God. And on the other hand, God is using his resources to say, just trust me. 
That's God's message, right? It's really simple. You say, Pastor Chad, it feels like you oversimplified that. If you, if you strip away every reasoning, every excuse, every situation you've ever been in, it comes down to those two things. Satan is saying you cannot trust God, and God is saying just trust me. And that works in every single situation in your life, every one of them. Boy, that was a lot of confidence to say that. Well, strip it down and see what's at the root of all of those things. John 14, 6, Yeshua answered, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So why don't you just trust me? You see, he's the source of truth. He's not just the speaker of truth. He's not just the deliverer of truth. He is the source of it. It comes from him. Everything that is true in the universe originated from within God himself, and it came out of him as truth. My mom used to tell me when I was a kid, when we were talking about trusting God, she would always say this. She would say, God can't lie. And I would, in my childhood exuberance and creative thinking, I would say, well, he could. And she would say, no, he can't. I'm like, yeah, but he could. Like if he, if he decided to say one, he could say it. No one's gonna stop him. And my mom would say, Chad, listen, he cannot say a lie because he's so powerful that the minute he speaks, it becomes true. Therefore, he can never lie. Hebrews chapter six just keeps encouraging our spirit here. Verse 16, people swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what he promised, that's us. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. See, it wasn't just that God chose not to lie. It's impossible for him to lie because he's the source of truth. Everything that comes out of him has to be rooted in truth. It has to be rooted in love. Otherwise, it would never come out of him. This is why God can never lie. And we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. So now we know Yeshua's purpose to give life and give life abundantly. We know his message. His message is just trust me. I'm trying to take you from slavery to sonship. We know the purpose of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy. And we know his tactic and his method. His method and message is don't trust God. You can't trust God. But we know it's impossible for God to lie. And in this theme of Yeshua being the source of truth that we've established and that Satan is the source of all lies as we've established, Satan still seeks to draw people into sin and away from God and their created destiny. But Yeshua didn't leave us there. He didn't just leave us only with his earthly ministry life. He left us with so much more. Listen to the tools he gave us. Speaking of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who, has done, who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. 
So it wasn't just Yeshua's life that was all truth. He left us with another tool. He calls it the word of truth. Your Bible is the word of truth. Read it, believe it, and act on it. Don't be one of the people that are a hearer only, right? You, you remember that scripture. Don't be a hearer only. Be a doer of the word of God. He gave us more. Listen to this, John 14. If you love me, then keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. So Yeshua didn't leave us only with his life as the truth. He gave us the word of truth. Then he gave us the spirit of truth. And he gave us one more, the blueprints for the new covenant congregation. Listen to this, 1 Timothy 3.14. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the congregation of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. So he gave us his life, the truth. He gave us the word of truth. He gave us the spirit of truth. And he gave us the congregation, which serves as the foundation of truth. We build on that together. That's why we don't forsake the meeting together of the brethren. You don't come off your foundation there. We build it together. So now we've exposed the enemy's tactics, and now we've given you the perspective of where the battle actually is happening. I know in our lives we have daily challenges, and the Lord wants to meet our needs. We have daily temptation, and the Lord wants to deliver us from those things. But what we want to do for the last few minutes here is we're going to zoom out we're gonna zoom out. I find it interesting that in all of the universe, you have to understand this with all of the angelic hosts and the demonic powers and all of their warfare and the heavenlies and all that's going on, the center of this universe in terms of subject matter is earth. They're all fighting about earth. And then in, in earth, you understand? They're, they're not just fighting over everything equally. They're fighting over Israel. And then in Israel, they're not just fighting over all of Israel. They're fighting over Jerusalem. And then it's not just all of Jerusalem. They, they want that temple mount. That's the spot. Because that's where we've seen so many supernatural actions up and down from God with Abraham and Isaac and, and, and then Jacob's vision and, and this, the, the holy of holies in the temple, the, Shekhe, the Shekinah glory. It, it's all just happening. The presence of God rested on earth right there. The whole battle in the heavenlies is about that spot. Who gets that spot? Because that's the spot where God's presence rested. The battle is for truth, friends. Satan says, you cannot trust God. And God says, just trust me. 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Some of your Bibles say strongholds. For we are destroying arguments. Some of your Bibles say delusions. We're destroying arguments and arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive 
to the obedience of the Messiah. We're destroying lies. That's what we do as believers. We help destroy lies by relaying the truth. And don't forget to prepare yourself every day by putting on the armor of God, Ephesians chapter six, and look how it leads off. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. The, these are the lying schemes, the tricks of the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, and put on the belt of truth. Another weapon, belt of truth, foundation of truth, spirit of truth, word of truth, having the truth himself in your life destroys these lies. Thank you, worship team. Let's close with a challenge. Will you or will you not believe God's word and let that move you to action? Will you believe that God created male and female? You see what the enemy is trying to do there. And God has a wonderful calling for both female and his male children. Will you believe that God has breathed life into a baby even while it's still in the mother's womb? Because it will direct how you act. If you believe that baby has life from the father, then it's as precious as anything else. And if you don't believe that, you throw it away. Will we believe that marriage between a man and a woman is how God intended? And will we believe that marriage was always intended to be the closest covenant sign of our relationship with the Father so that we would see marriage as a lifelong covenant never to be broken? See, Satan is trying to convince us that that's not true. None of that's true. He's going to tell you, you, you don't have the power to live a righteous life. There's no way you can do it. And God would just say, trust me. I've already made you clean. Trust me. I've empowered you to obey. Trust me. Satan would say, God lied about that power stuff. You didn't really get power. You've never touched someone and had a miracle happen in front of your eyes. Some of you have. Some of you may have not yet, but you will. Satan doesn't want you to think you have power. Why? Because he doesn't want you to use it against him. It's easier to tell you you don't have it than to fight against it. It's just another lie. He'll tell you God's word is not true. To read your Bible is pointless. To pray every day doesn't really change anything. He's going to just keep lying and lying. He's going to tell you that when you've been stuck in bondage for many years, he's going to tell you that you can never change. Because the, the person who's the most afraid of you changing is Satan. He's the one afraid of it. So he needs to convince you that you won't change. You can't change. It's not possible. He'll try to convince you that God doesn't love you in every way possible. You've disappointed God. God's mad at you. 
You'll never gain God's love. And it's just this ongoing repetition of lies because it's the only weapon he's ever had. And our job today is to go to the source of truth. Truth itself. That way we get to claim God as our father. Whereas the others have to claim Satan. They don't get to claim God. They don't get to claim Abraham and Moses. They have to claim Satan as their father. And eventually we will both be gathered to the households. You understand? We'll be gathered into the household of our father. And the unbelievers, unfortunately, will be gathered to the household of their father. Believe the truth and let it move you to action. Remember Hebraic belief that if you don't act on it, then you don't believe it. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. Can you stand? Let me pray over you. I want to bless you. I feel like imparting something to you tonight. Yes, Father. If you want a gift from the Holy Spirit, just reach out your hands. Whatever method that looks like to you, there's no judgment, there's no right way to do it. Just reach out however you want to receive something from God. But your body tells God what's going on in your spirit. So Father, in the name of Yeshua, everyone who's opened themselves to a gift tonight, I pray that you pour down from heaven in a mighty way today. Give them your love. Give them your wisdom. Give them your knowledge. Give them a spirit of discernment tonight in this season and in this age of lies. God, release power tonight in the name of Yeshua. Release our giftings and our callings and our destiny tonight, God. We are not survivors. We've never been created to be survivors. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are heirs and co-heirs with the Messiah. God created this whole thing for us anyway. We are learning to rule and reign with the Messiah, and we need every tool to learn how to do that. We receive today truth himself in Yeshua. We receive today the word of truth in the scriptures. We receive today the spirit of truth in the Ruach. We receive today the importance of the foundation of truth in the congregation, and we put on the belt of truth today to fight against the lies of the devil, to overcome his schemes. We have every tool we've ever needed. And we are not intimidated by the lies of the evil one. Empower us today, God, that we may become more like you, our Father. Help us in this age of lies and suppression of truth. We need you now more than ever before. In Yeshua's name, amen.